Welcome to the Inspiring Educators Podcast, a space where you can let go, learn, laugh, and be inspired. Let's first begin with introductions of our inspiring educators. Inspiring educators, introduce yourselves. Hi, everybody. It's Lila, the educator motivator. I'm coming to you from Los Angeles. Um, this was the end of my sixth year teaching. Um, I am found on Twitter at Miss Lila Noor at M S L A I L A N U R. I am a CPM regional coordinator, and now drum roll. I am a math coach in LAUSD, so that's a new thing for me. Each week, we like to talk about what we are grateful for just to be able to jumpstart and, you know, continue to focus on the positive. So for me, I am grateful for self-awareness. I have finally come into a space where I am more aware of what my bigger picture goals are and what I want out of being an educator. Uh, which has landed me into a new position of being a math coach. So I'm really grateful for my ability to figure out who I am and my place within education at this time. Great stuff. Congratulations, Lila. Congratulations. Uh, greetings, great people. Coach Jay here, Jadrian Grimes, Atlanta, Georgia. You can follow me on Twitter at Jadrian Grimes. That's J-A-D-R-I-E-N-G-R-I. M E S, very similar to Lila. I will be taking on a brand new role coming up this school year that I'm extremely, extremely, extremely three times excited about. I will be our head of business operations at North Metro Academy of Performing Arts here in Metro Atlanta. And did I say I was excited? Uh, because I am. Um, what I'm grateful for this week, I actually had the opportunity to attend my first summer leadership conference put on by the great. Gwinnett County Public School System, their Board of Education. It was truly first class. The breakout sessions were phenomenal, very impactful, practical content, and the keynote speakers for the three days were absolutely phenomenal. So it just helped reignite and ignite at the same time a new energy in me, and I'm ready to take on this next school year. Good stuff, good stuff. Congratulations to Lila and Jadrin. I am the only one who has not gotten a new job yet. So I'm like the odd man out with this piece. But this is none other than Dr. Christopher J. Childs, your academic rock star, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. This week, I am grateful for, I'm actually grateful for my two co-hosts getting new gigs. That is amazing. Like, we're in this thing. Like, we're in this thing deep. Also, I'm grateful for the summer. For a lot of people, summer is a time to refresh, relax, rejuvenate. For me, the summer is a time to grind. <laughs> so while everybody is rejuvenating and relaxing, I will be putting the pedal to the metal this summer with a lot of different projects and initiatives. You can find me on social media at DRKChilds. I'm on every single platform, every single platform that's been out, every single platform that's coming out. I'm still on, uh, uh, what was the one back in the day? Black Planet? Black Planet. <laughs> College Club. I'm on Please College Club. On that thing. Please don't. I'm on. Yeah. I'm still on yeah. MySpace. Yeah, my uh-uh. You I'm better deactivate on, that account. We out here, Lila. <laughs> I'm still on Line. Was it? For uh, real? Napster. You, you weren't about to say LimeWire. Yeah, LimeWire. I'm still on Napster. So if you want to contact me, you can contact me on old platforms, current platforms, and you can contact me on platforms that have yet to be invented. 
This week, we have a hot topic, as always. The hot topic is a solution to the summer slide. A solution to the summer slide. And when we say slide, we're not talking about a slide that goes into the pool. We're talking about the academic summer slide. It's summertime, that long-awaited time to enjoy some rest and recreation. But did you know too much kicking back can be harmful to your students' learning? Studies show that students can lose up to two months of math and literacy skills over the summer. Let me repeat that. Studies show that students can lose up to two months of math and literacy skills over the summer. Although summer learning loss, also known as a summer slide, is a real problem, it doesn't have to slow down our students. We're going to discuss what it is, why it is a problem, but also how can we rectify this problem of the summer slide. And again, it's not sliding into a pool, but it's literally students academically losing what they learn. So I throw it to my co-host. What are your thoughts on the summer slide? That's, man, I, I've, I've experienced it. Trust me, I know. Like with the, the six years I um, have been teaching, when the kids come back, they're like, oh no, we never learned. Mm-mm, I don't remember that. Yeah, I was there. I was there. I taught you. I, I remember that we did that. And it's, it's definitely real. On the, uh, I guess, the the opposite end of the spectrum, when I was in school, I found that I didn't end up losing a lot because I was always so engaged with math um, every summer from seventh grade year to my senior year of high school, where I did summer math programs. I was literally in a summer math camp for five, five, five years, I think, um, at Wayne State University, their math core program. I never stopped engaging in math. And I think that's what also helped me with my math skills long-term is that I, it was a year long thing for me because I, I also really, really, really enjoy math. Um, and I enjoyed school. So for me, I was constantly engaged, but I could see, you know, as soon as school is out, kids start throwing their notebooks away. They throw all the papers in the air and they completely disconnect from this, um, the, the education platform that we're on. And, they don't necessarily engage anything unless it may be summer reading. Yeah, um, very similar to you. Um, I, I tell you what, I was thankful for my mom. Um, she truly kept me engaged. Um, and the only way I could play sports, um, I was an incredible athlete, by the way. I don't know if y'all know that, um, but I'll send y'all over some some stuff so that you can watch your boy back in the day. But anyway, um, yeah, incredible Lila athlete. But the only way that I could play sports was my mom said that I couldn't bring anything less than a B plus in the house. So that was the only way she would allow me to play sports. Anything under that, I was coming off the team. So naturally, I was excited about football, you know, baseball, basketball, and running track. So I had to make sure that I stayed on top of my game, even during the summers, even keeping a job during the summer. So my mom would make sure I took my behind down to the library and I was reading as well as working and working out and everything else I had to do during the summer. But I get it. And that actually helped me um, stay engaged. So when I came back for the fall semesters during high school, you know, I didn't forget everything, I guess, if you will. Um, But that really helped me a lot. You had an accountability partner. You had somebody yeah. holding you accountable <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> and that's that's two key points as, as it relates to going to the library and then that accountability partner. But unfortunately for a lot of our students, 
and we think about students who are not as affluent as others, do they have that accountability partner? That accountability partner could be working or busy. But then also we have to think about what do students engage in during the summer? If you're affluent, you hear them talking, we're going to Paris for the summer. We're going to London. We're going to, we're going to go visit the museums around the country. And this is stereotypical, but it's true. When you're less affluent, what do you go for the summer? Hey, you're going to grandma's house. Mm-hmm. Or outside, <laughs> to the mall. If you go to, if you go to grandma's house, what does grandma do? Hey, don't go in and out my house. <laughs> and, and in the afternoon, you're watching, if you're at my grandma's house, the stories. A lot of you maybe don't know about the stories, but the stories are those, literally the stories, like before reality TV, there's the stories and you cannot talk during the stories. It wasn't, <laughs> be quiet. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's a bad experience, but you're not engaged in anything academic. It's essentially babysitting. And that's what, when we think about the have and have nots as it relates to what's going on during the summer slot. So Jadrian talked about his literacy piece. What are the things you used to do growing up, Lila, during the summer? The things that I used to do growing up during the summer? Um, I think, I mean, A, it was the summer camp. Within my summer camp, not only did they, A, prepare us for our upcoming grade level mathematics, but then we also engaged in college level mathematics. So I was consistently being exposed to things that made me excited about math. Um, and, you know, I definitely, my mom, we didn't have computer at home when we were growing up. So we were always in the library um, just because there were things that you had to do. You know, we had to, you know, get online and complete the application for something or we had to go and print something out. And so being in the library, I'm waiting on moms and I'm just walking around the aisles and oh, this book looks interesting. You know, this book looks interesting. Let me go ahead and check this out. Um, I think just even the, the, the sheer exposure to being within that space, um, it was kind of mandatory for me to have to go to the library for things that we needed. And so I kind of, you know, slipped fell on some genres that were really of interest to me. Like, I didn't know that I like historical fiction, <laughs> you know, when I was younger. Like now I'm, I've completely shifted into a totally new genre. But back then I, I would have never thought, <laughs> but I just happened to be in a library. But it's interesting you mentioned the library. The local school by my home, because there's not really a library close to us, let's say walking distance, but the local school to my neighborhood, they're going to be open once a week. So students can come in, check out library books. And a big thing in elementary school are AR tests. The seller, I think it's called accelerated reader test. You can take tests during the summer so you can improve. When the AP told me about that, I went through the roof. I was like, why don't I understand resources? But imagine if more schools were open during the summer, just once a week for a certain time frame, so students can just come in and have access to books. Mm-hmm. Aren't most schools, uh, well, a lot of schools actually open during the summer, whether it be via summer school or doing stuff, building prep or anyway? Or, okay. Yes and no. Like they have, so, so depending on the school, not every school is open for summer school. So some kids get sent to other schools for summer school. Um, so my school after a certain date could be shut down all summer. Um, and they, you know, say nobody has access for cleaning and doing all these other things. Um, 
But then the schools that are open for summer school, they're still not giving you access to the entire school. They say these six rooms are open. That's it. We're not going nowhere else in the building. The main office is only kind of sort of open just so we can direct you. Library is not open. Cafeteria not open. Those, none of those other departments are open during that time. So um, that's that. what Chris is describing is, is mad rare. Got it. That's an anomaly. Okay. And as we talk about that being mad rare, like I said, mad rare, I want to posit a different thought as it relates to schooling. We're on this antiquated school calendar. You go to school August through May, then you take off for the summer, and you can just research historically why that specific calendar is in place. The summer's off, and it's beyond just summer vacations and all that other crap. But why do we take an entire summer off if we truly care about the academic experience? Do you really need an entire summer break as opposed to if we go year-round schooling, have many breaks set up in between? Some people are going to say, well, you know, parents work, et cetera, et cetera. Guess what? As parents, you figure it out. But if that was the norm, things could be put in place even during those many breaks. YMCA may have like many camps going. So there's still someone watching students, but we really need to rethink the school calendar. I totally think at this point, it is idiotic to have the entire summer off. It does nothing. I know teachers can say we need to rejuvenate, but if you have many breaks in between, you're still going to be fresh. But most importantly, and if this is what, if we really care about students, students that have the chance to continually gain newfound knowledge. What are your thoughts on year-round schooling? I actually like that idea. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like I was reading somewhere um, in some country that they actually do do that, right? And, and to be totally honest with you, right, with me having a 12-and-a-half-year corporate background, um, I didn't have summer breaks, right? Like I had to go to work every day. I had to see clients every day via whatever and do whatever I had to do. Change is inevitable, of course, you know, with growth and change, people may freak out or what have you. But I mean, I kind of was talking about this uh, at the conference with a number of different principals and APs that were in the room. What's the main thing? Is it the teachers and administration or is it the children actually learning and being able to apply the principles that they're learning in school to their everyday lives like what is it truly about i wouldn't be against that thought i actually like it chris and then when we think about that thought you would pay teachers more because you're 12 months instead of nine months but lila what are your thoughts you're you're in the classroom every day what are your thoughts about a year-round school well a i definitely um i i hear the perspective of needing rejuvenation because let me tell you how i need this to be the end of the school year right now, like right, right now. <laughs> um, but I also feel like I realistically don't really need more than about three weeks. Like after this, it, you know, in terms of the last time since I've had a, a big break, I really only need about three weeks, maybe um, two, depending on if I had a break before that or what time of year it is. Like right now is, you know, we just finished testing season and all of that. Um, so my break needs, to, I feel like it needs to be a little longer grades were due, et cetera. Um, so I get the break, but I feel like realistically, like you said, nobody needs, what is it? Two months of a break, two and a half. Like, it's just not, it, I, 
I get it. People want to go travel. They want to go see their families. They want to do things. But in terms of really and truly rejuvenating, you don't need more than three. Um, in terms of what Jay talked about, um, you know, and being in corporate as year round, I feel like education is the only one that does take the summer off. Like what other industry or profession do they just say, oh, yeah, whole summer's gone. Like, you know, it's, it's the summertime. We don't need to be at work anymore. I don't really feel like there's and I mean, I could be wrong, of course, but I don't I can't think of another industry in which people just say this time of year we are no longer working. So let me let me further build my case and we give you three facts. Research indicates two months of reading skills and two and a half months of math skills are lost over a single summer. Plus, the summer slide is cumulative. So those lost months add up over time. Combined over the years, by the time a student reaches middle school, they've lost the equivalent of two years of learning to summer slide. And that loss is greater at the high, higher grade levels. That's fact one. Fact two, nine out of 10 teachers have to reteach material when students return to school in the fall in order to get students caught up. Fact three, according to estimates, it costs the educational system more than $1,500 per student to reteach material. Over the course of a K-12 education, that can equate to more than $18,000 per student. I'm going to drop the mic. Check the math on that. I, mm, (laughs) when you lost for words, I think the fact that as teachers work so hard to consistently recover knowledge and to give students the foundation and give them the 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 competitive um, edge to eventually, you know, be uh, competitive for college. We're constantly working to make sure that our students are at grade level, if not above, you know, we're working to bring them higher than whatever grade level they started in. And that no matter what, we're consistently losing some of that work that we put in, it it feels uh, really defeating, you know, like it feels like, wow, like I do all this just for, you know, X amount of time is going to go by over the summer or multiple summers and you're just going to lose it all, which also sounds really pessimistic, but I don't know. (laughs) So let's put it, I'm going to give you a spin to it. So for all you teachers that are drained right now, You've ended the school year. You've done the best you can. Your students have had growth. They're going to lose all the stuff you taught or most of it over the summer. Boom. So you essentially, are you wasting a year every year teaching because they're going to lose it because of the systems that are in place? A couple of things, because we're going to use this antiquated system anyway. Here are a couple of ways to beat the summer slide. Have kids read at least 20 minutes a day. Just 20 minutes. That's one TV show less a day. Have students reading. Make use of your local library. Listen to audio tapes. That's a new thing now, audio books, audio tape. But listening to a book being read, if that's a great way. Find different hands-on review activities that are fun and engaging, not worksheets. Because some people send home these summer practice. No, don't send home a summer packet. Send home a fun and engaging activity students can do. 
or look on YouTube for some and engage students in meaningful conversations over the summer. Just because they're on summer break, don't treat it as a break. Just treat it as we're outside of the formal school building. Lila and Jay, your final thoughts on the summer slide. I mean, with that being said, I got to push summer math camps. I know everybody's not in Michigan. I know every um, there's not a math court on in every state or every city, which it was like at one point that was my dream and it might become my dream again. Um, I That type of program, I mean, we were doing problems of the week, which were just challenging, which I would just go home and sit here and try to solve this problem. <laughs> You know, and we're competing against each other. It was almost like the lottery, depending on how many people got it right. That's how they would split up the points. And the person with the most points into the summer is, you know, who got the prizes. And that's to me, like this the competitive edge, the, um, you know, doing something that wasn't just straight up here, let's graph a line, you know. Things that we were engaged in made us think it was fun, you know, learning to play chess and understanding the math behind chess. It, it was more than just, you know, um, here's the content, like Chris is saying, that engaging project. Camp was fun for me. And I think that, A, you should we should be trying to put our kids in more summer math camps. And B, if they don't exist, we need to be trying to figure out how to get them, you know, in all of our cities. Check boxes on all of that. I mean, obviously, the statistics um, and data is proving that there is a summer slide um, that's happening, but I'm extremely big component of accountability, uh, whether it be the students, teachers, kids, administration, parents, especially, um, take your kids to the library. Um, you get an opportunity after work, you know, take the time to read with them, you know, go over what they read, um, give them an assignment to do once, twice, three times a week, whatever fits their scope and go over it with them um, to help hold them accountable. Um, so that they aren't necessarily participating in the summer side. Travel with your children. I think that's amazing. Um, if you have children to travel with, um, have them look up the locations that you're going to. Um, learn about the city, learn about the country or wherever you're going. I think that helps. I mean, also volunteering their time. Um, make sure they're volunteering during the summer. Um, opportunity to meet new people. Um, and even through volunteering and networking with different students, that's potentially a way that they can learn something that they didn't know the day before. The final point, we cannot afford to invest in 10 months of learning, growth, and hard work just to lose it over a matter of months of progress each summer. It is critical that we keep students engaged in reading and learning over the summer months. Today's inspiration moment has been brought to you by none other than Dr. Christopher J. Childs. This summer, what I want you to do, I'm going to challenge you. I'm not even going to just inspire you. I'm going to challenge you to engage in a courageous discussion. It is time to get out of our happy place and our safe zones when it comes to having discussions with others who don't agree with us. You say you don't like what is going on in the world, what may be going on in schools, in the classrooms, et cetera, but have you ever taken a moment to truly understand the other side's viewpoint? And it's not just political, but in anything, take a moment to engage someone who is not like you in something you truly disagree with and just listen to their point of view and learn from them. You can't change the world, you can't change society if you don't understand the world, you don't understand society. A lot of us have only learned what we've been taught. We have not stepped outside that box in that comfort zone. So find someone you disagree with, whether it could be sexual orientation, it can be politics, 
It can be religion. It can be black, white issue. It, and it's something that you disagree with. It can be just anything. Sit down, shut up, and listen to what they have to say and learn from that person. Because at the end of the day, we still have to live together. We don't have to agree. But you need to understand them if you want to even address different issues that are happening. And when you understand them better, you can make a better argument or case or just have a better discussion. I call it courageous discussions. And then most importantly, when you understand the other side of the issue, later you can find out the historical origins of the issue. Stop going off of what you've been taught. It's time for us now to reteach ourselves and relearn things. As I told someone the other day, when you start engaging in these courageous discussions or courageous conversations, you start to learn new things. Something's going to happen to you. When you learn something new that fundamentally is different than what you've been taught your entire life, do you accept, when you learn something new that's truthful, do you accept it as being the truth and change your way of thinking and your life? Or do you say, I don't care what this truth is in front of me. I know it's true, but uh, uh, I'm going back and reverting to the lie that I grew up with and stick to my lie. So just think about that as you engage in these courageous discussions. A lot of things you've been taught are, are wrong. I'm going to put it out there wrong. Study for yourself, make sense of it for yourself. Then you can better address the different issues that we're dealing with in the world today. A lot of you are going to be like, oh, what does he mean? Start reading and studying. You'll see exactly what I mean. You can always DM me. I'd be happy to have these conversations one-on-one with you. Lila Jadron, last thoughts before we log off. Oh, man, that was that was heavy. I think to the point of continuing or avoiding that summer slide and, and, and connecting that with what Chris is saying, uh, a part of making sure that you're you're not going out in that summer slide is having those those well-rounded cultural experiences um, where, where you're engaging and hearing other perspectives and you're, you're reasoning and you're making sense of the problem. And you know, you're doing all of these things that are, are, are making you really think um, and stepping outside of your comfort zone or, um, and, and, and engaging in something that is, is uncomfortable. And I, I, you know, as you might know, I really love being uncomfortable and I love watching other people be uncomfortable. So being able to do that over the summer is an amazing um, opportunity for you to make sure that you're still learning and you're still engaging in something meaningful. I agree, Lila. Um, Accountability partner, accountability partner, find it. Um, Teachers, students, find someone that will hold you accountable and in turn you can do the same for them. Um, Educators, we have to, you know, have continual learning um, during the summer too as well. We can't wait until um, teacher orientation or open house um, to get back in the mode. I think sometimes we use summer as a full breakdown. I'm not going back until I get ready, but do a deep dive and really, you know, look at yourself, you know, and always keep the main thing, the main thing. And when the main thing is the main thing, which is the kids, which is the children, um, we'll be okay and help prevent the summer slide. This has been an Inspiring Educators Podcast with OUT. We out. Bye. See you next time. Real. That was a new one. <laughs>